so David began just under a year ago, January. January. With um, it was part time because he was working with Pastor Bob. Anybody knows who? Anybody who knows Pastor Bob knows you can't handle more than part time with Bob. Um, we wouldn't submit anybody to full time with Bob. So, um, no. What happened was is as David's got in and been part of the team. Um, He's really grown into this next steps type role. So, so he's officially our next steps pastor. That's, that's his official tag. And we wanted you to know that, but we wanted you to know something else. And you can clap. You Thank can clap you for the me. three people I paid to applaud yeah. at that moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I think there was four. So <laughs> you, you have to cash it out a little bit more. Um, so I'm going to let him explain kind of what next steps is and how that applies to you and, and, and how you can, by seeing his face, go, oh, you're the guy. Yeah. So. Wow, seeing my face. Okay, um, next steps is not a new concept, but it's a new phrase, uh, maybe for us here at Heights. And the bottom line is, whether you know Jesus or not, whether you've been at this church since its founding or you're brand new, we believe together that you should grow in your faith, grow in your actions, become more like Christ, be his disciple. And the role that I'm going to play, and lots of others on the team will be assembling, is to help you figure out what are those steps that God is asking of you, created for you uniquely, to take so that you grow. And Heights becomes the church made of the people that God is growing. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we're going to do. We're going to help you find and take steps of faith. So looking forward to meeting you. I hang out in the Life Groups room a lot here in the lobby. Uh, And again, I'm David. Perfect. That's great. Perfect. See you guys. Thank you. So we are going to talk about stress, but you might have noticed when you came in the room, there was there were slides on before the service, and one of those said something about Christmas, instant stress, right? So you can help me with my stress this morning. They are doing, this Christmas we're going to do a play, and we need people to be in the play. So if that's you, and you like that type of thing, and you want to act or be a part of it, um, they are meeting tomorrow night. You can go out of these doors to the Welcome Center and just give your name, and, and they will give you the info on tomorrow night. Um, here on campus, you'll meet, and, and Donna will take care of it. But So anyways, that, that would help me with my stress. Thanks. Um, we are entering a thing, a series called Stress, and it's always interesting to me how we, we decide we're going to do something, and, and then God goes, okay, I'm going to let you have a little bit of an experience. I'm going to let you feel what you're about to speak about. And it's always interesting, like, how that works. So, so this time around, last Friday, I'm standing on a college campus with my soon-to-be graduate. And as we're standing there, inevitably, the conversation kind of leads to money, right? And at that point, I start to go, <gasps> like, I, you can just feel it. Like, like, in my head, I'm going, oh, boy. Like, how does this work, right? And we leave that moment. There's a doubleheader the next day for soccer. Coach that. And, and there's a natural concern, like, Phoenix is hot. Two games in a row, girls are like, I don't want them to die. You know what I mean? So, so there's a natural stress with that. Leave that moment, say goodbye to my two teenage girls. They get on a plane, travel six hours away with their aunt, and, and you start to, like, anybody in the room where your kids got on a plane, you know exactly how I feel. Like, completely out of control, first time they're doing it, going, ah. like, so now, so now you're revving kind of high, come back here get in here Saturday night, do the weekend services, leave those services instantly back Monday morning, begin working on that. And, and, and all of a sudden, things start to ramp, like all these parts are, are adding up, 
And on top of that, then, my wife goes elk hunting, which, if you know my wife, uh, five foot nothing with a gun. I'm not sure what that's all about. But I know who's not stressed, the elk. Hey, just the truth, just the truth. Till she brings it home, till she brings it home. Um, but, but so she's gone. Now I got the littles, right? And now my big girls are coming back from the airport Friday night. So I got to get the littles like down there. So I'm going to, right? We, we go down to the airport. They're delayed. Get back. It's like two in the morning. Next day is this, Saturday. I mean, my parents moved here yesterday. Like it adds up. It adds up. And this is my therapy, right? <laughs> but, but. Things of life carry weight. And if in this moment of carrying weight, I take out my phone and I go, hey, Siri, how many people die of stress? Right? She pulls up a document. Every two seconds, seven people die from stress related diseases and so on and so on. Right? Every two seconds. I'm like, I'm one of the seven. Here we go. It's, it's fascinating what stress does to us. And it's really interesting to me how, like, it, it, it's, not, it's not just when you get older that you get stressed. We're in the car going down to the airport, like I said, Friday, and I'm a good dad, right? So I, I thought this through. Four hours in a car with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Okay, like, we need some planning for that, right? So I get the iPad. I'm like, I'm going to download some new games. They'll play games on the way down, fall asleep on the way back. Perfect. I got this, right? Gave them a nap so they're not like overly tired. Like, I, I got this, right? Um, I do a lot of the parenting. So, just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, so, we're on the way down. We're halfway down. And the three-year-old goes, Dad, I want to do this. I'm like, you don't want to do what? I don't want to play games anymore. Okay, well, turn it off and look out the window. No. Dad, why is it doing this? And she hands it to me, right? And, and she's trying to get into Netflix. And I'm like, baby, Netflix ain't going to work. There's no internet. Like, sorry, you, it's not going to work. Daddy can't fix this one. But I want to watch Netflix. You can't watch Netflix, right? Well, I don't want to do this. She goes back to the game. She's like, I don't want to do this. And then she goes, I don't want to be in this family anymore. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> Stressed a little about Netflix. But here's what's interesting. In a three-year-old, that's cute. In a 36-year-old, it's not so cute when they walk out on their family because they can't manage their stress. It's not so cute when you're, you're 40 and your life tanks because you've turned to all these negative options to manage stress. Y'all, this idea of stress, like we do series, right? We do marriage and everybody goes, yes, we need a series on marriage because blah, blah, blah. Like, you hear the word stressed and you may have gone, you know what? And some of you are like, man, you need less caffeine, right? But, but some of you hear that we're doing a series on stress and you're like, why would we do a series on that? Because you may be one of the seven. If that's, that's even true. Who knows? Siri, right? She lies a lot. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, it is real. And if you do not learn how to manage it, you will manage it negatively. Let, let me give you an example, right? So, so rubber bands, right? Rubber bands 
are made to stretch. But if you hold a rubber band at tension, and everybody on this side's like, that better not come hit me. They might. No guarantees. Caffeine, remember? Um, they're designed to stretch. They're designed to be at tension. Right? But if you hold them at tension for a long time, they begin to crack. They begin to dry out. And often they will snap. Sometimes if you hold them at tension, even if you let go of the tension, they won't go back to their original size and shape. You were designed to stretch. You were designed to not crumble and crack, but you were not designed to live at this tension. And if you choose, because I believe firmly it's a choice, to stay at this tension and run your life this way, you may find that you don't go back to the same shape or you may find that you crack. You may find that you are one of the seven. The passage we're going to get into today faces this head on. It's, it's actually, according to Kindle, it's their number one highlighted passage. Okay? Philippians chapter 4, if you have a Bible. Philippians chapter 4. If you don't, raise your hand. Somebody will get you one. But Philippians chapter 4. And right up front, there's some of you that go, oh, I know this passage. Right? I'm hoping, I'm praying for you today. That by the time we are done, in the next 27 and 49 seconds, by the time we are done, and some of you are like, how do you know how long you have? Like down to the, there's a clock. Um, right? But, but here's the thing. By the time you leave these doors, by the time you leave these doors, my prayer for you is that you never see this passage the same again. Okay? Because sometimes we can quote it, we can read it, we go past it, and sometimes we don't just stop and go, what was actually being said? So, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, this word rejoice, right, has a, has a Greek word that's attached to it. Cairo in the Greek is, is the official, like, like if, you, if you get the word, Cairo is, is the, or Cairo, depending on how you pronounce it. That's the Greek word for it. That's not what I want you to get. What I want you to see is the root to the word rejoice is charis. Okay? Charis is the root that you get the word rejoice. Charis means gift. Okay? So when it comes to rejoice in the Lord, right? We're talking about joy. But what's happening is, what it's de defining, rejoice in the Lord how often? Always. That means whatever has come across your path. So what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about rewiring our natural responses in certain situations and how the rewiring of those responses will help you manage life and what, what it brings. So in this context of joy, so, so what, what Paul begins to lay down is he lays down an idea that you can rejoice in every situation, no matter what is going on, no matter what that is, is that's happening, that even in this I can find joy. Even in this, no matter how bad that looks, God is up to something. It's living with the belief that God is up to something and that He, even in this, will bring something good. It's this idea that as I go through it, I begin to go, what are the gifts 
The idea that if I focus on what gifts I have, by the way, the fact that you are sitting up straight in a chair and that you are breathing right now is a gift. The fact that you are sitting around people that hopefully like you is a gift. The fact that you have two eyeballs that are looking forward and can take in perception and colors and beauty and wonder is a gift. The fact that God has not stopped you breathing today means that your life has purpose. That is a gift. And see, what happens is, in, in this context of like having joy no matter what's coming, because what happens is, if you get a bad diagnosis, or, or you get bad news, or you get something that kind of throws you off, or you stand at a college and they go, it's this much, and you go, I don't have that much, right? That's bad news. That even in the midst of that type of life stuff, Paul says you can rejoice. The way you rejoice is you focus on gift, not on circumstance. What's even more fascinating with this is it would be one thing if Paul was writing this from Hawaii. Right? Chilling on the beach, pina colada in hand. He's like, "Eh, rejoice in the Lord. But he's writing it from a prison cell. He's not free to go as he chooses. He's not free to eat when he wants to. He's not free to talk to whoever he wants to. He's not free at all. And yet in that, he now pens the words going, hey, by the way, as a follower of Jesus, someone who is categorized by Jesus, you can rejoice. You can find the gifts. And so so essentially in Paul's word, here's how it went. Oh, you won't let me talk to them? I'm going to talk to you. I still have the gift of speech. I'm going to talk to you. I still have the gift of being able to formulate and communicate. Hey, I'm going to talk to you. Oh, oh I, I, can't, I can't see those people. I know what I'll do. I'll write letters that maybe somebody will read someday. It's a pun. It's a Bible. Probably should read it a little bit. Just a little bit. Right? So, so in the moment, he's going, I'm going to do something because I've been given these gifts. And he says, rejoice. And so, and so the first thing we kind of hit is this idea that, okay, the natural response, your natural response to what's going on, the circumstances that are here, the natural response that you have is not normally joy. But by the way, think about this for a second. If you don't choose to rejoice, if you don't choose to focus on gift, what's the other option? Grumpy, bitter, angry, right? Like overwhelmed. Like who, who wants that? Like, so, so even in this, it goes, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even in this, you can rejoice. Remember the gifts that you have. Remember the gifts that you have. From there, he moves on. And so, so he begins out big rejoice, right? And then says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And, and it's like, okay, he's just started out with like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? And it's this big language. And then he goes, let your gentleness be known to all. And every dude in the room goes, oh, gross. Like, really? My gentleness? It's not very manly, right? Like, that's, that's the initial, like, response is, what does that even look like to be gentle? Like, who wants to be gentle? The word gentleness, the best kind of definition to go with it, is this idea that your kindness demands a response. Your kindness demands a response. Now, 
context always helps us understand, right? So, so when this is being written, it's being written by Paul who's in jail. He's sending it to a church that's in Philippi. Now, Philippi was this, one of the centers, one of the strongholds of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire had a view of the world that went like this, that if you wanted to bring peace and if you wanted a life where, where you had it the way you wanted it, you moved in and you took it by force. It was a way of violence that violence brought peace. So, so in the Roman world, in Philippi, what they did, they made outposts for the Roman for the Roman soldiers and the Roman Empire then took all of their vets and moved them into Philippi. So you not only did you have current soldiers serving, you had this whole retired soldier community that both still served some, but mostly just lived in the area. So this area was extremely, extremely strong as far as the Roman Empire went. So now Paul, who's sitting over here in a prison cell, right? As Paul's writing this letter... Hanging over his head is a death sentence because he claimed along the way that Jesus is Lord. Because he rejected Caesar, the Roman Empire, right? He essentially rejected the empire. And he goes, Caesar is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord, right? Because of that, he's now sitting in a cell and he's going, hey, guess what, church at Philippi? Where you live and where you exist, at some point, somebody's going to come knock on your door and go, Caesar is Lord. And you have an opportunity at that moment where you are either going to cave or you're going to stand and go, no, 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 Jesus is Lord. And in that moment, if they stand and they say, Jesus is Lord, then you may watch your dad, your mom, your sister, your brother, because they declare Jesus is Lord, you may watch them get grabbed out of your home and now led down the street and crucified at the end of the road because they made a statement, Jesus is Lord. What he begins to say in this moment is, hey, hey, church at Philippi, you're going to have moments, they're coming. You can't stop them. You're going to have moments when violence is coming to your doorstep. You're going to have moments when empire is moving into your area, your home. And empire always demands, according to the Roman Empire, demands that Peace will be established even if it means through violence. We will establish peace. We will get peace. And so what happens in that moment is now the Philippian church is going to have a huge choice to make going, what are we going to live for? Who are we going to be? And that's when he says, let your gentleness. Don't return violence for violence. Don't turn around and now become people that think, okay, if we can overturn the empire, if we can fight back, now we can establish peace. He's saying don't turn the way the world wants you to turn. This is a counter, counter reaction. This is a reaction that the world wouldn't expect. One that goes, no, you've given hate to me. I'm going to return love to you. You've brought in acts of violence and hatred, I'm going to turn around and give forbearance. I'm going to turn around and give gentleness and kindness back. He's talking about how do we as Christians live countercultural? How do we not assume that because the culture says we have to respond this way that we'll, we'll respond that way? And what he says is let your gentleness, let your gentleness, let your kindness. Okay, so, so let's throw it into our world, right? You do something and this person speaks words of hate towards you. You do something and this person criticizes you. You're just living and because you're just living, 
these people don't like the way you're living, so they begin to speak towards you. That boss who, who claims to even know Jesus, but, but does that to you. What do you do with that? Because what happens is, is, is the mind begins to what? Chew on it. The mind begins to spin it. The mind begins to, to anchor into it. And now you have a choice. Will you respond in that moment with the same hatred that's come towards you? Will you respond back? Will you fight back? Will you take your battle to Facebook? Right? Because that's what everybody, not everybody, but some people do. By the way, nobody reads your posts when you're just venting. Nobody cares. Let's be honest. You know those posts that's like, here's my drama. I don't have time to read your drama. I got my own. Skip. By the way, old people, you're the only ones on Facebook. The kids are done. They're not on it anymore. Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie. Teenagers in the room, the ones with drama are on it because they think somebody will listen. Right? But you have a choice. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to call all those people and make sure that you're seen in a way that you should be seen because you don't want to be seen like they're saying you are? Are you going to get a lawyer because what they did was wrong and we're going to go back? Because what he's talking about here is when people roll up to your door with hatred and they will. Jesus proclaimed it, by the way. Jesus told us straight up, they hated me, they'll hate you. If you're a Jesus follower, welcome to being hated. And if we're not hated, we, we ain't doing something right. I'm not, I'm not being weird or whatever. I'm just being honest. Because I'll tell you this. If you give what it's talking about here, that you give a counter reaction and you give kindness that doesn't make sense, there's going to be a moment where they have to react to your kindness. And more than likely, because of the way the system works of empire, it will be more violence, not more love coming back. And you still have to turn around. And according to Paul, who's in jail, who's under guard, who's being persecuted, who has a death sentence, he goes, let your gentleness be known. Let your gentleness. By the way, anybody can fight. Anybody can fight. And what we're called to, think about it for a second. Jesus' model is what? Sacrificial love. Jesus' model is I'm going to not overturn the empire with force. I'm going to subvert the empire and conquer it from within with love because love never fails. I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to lay my life down and through death there will be life. It's, it's counterintuitive. And so for us, why would we be surprised that, that the call on our life, when, when things begin to get, get messy and, and hatred begins to come, or words of unkindness, or the empire rolls to the door, why would we think it's any different that we would respond in a way that's countercultural to what we're getting? We're actually responding in the way that Jesus did. And that's who we should look like. So he says, let your gentleness. So, so, so it's this... It's this counterintuitive joy in the midst of that because I'm focused on the gifts that I have. I'm focused on what I, how God has blessed. I'm focused on what I have, not what I don't. I'm focused on what He's doing, what His story looks like, not what I want it to be. And then, then it moves and says, oh, by the way, by the way, when, when, when hatred and, and unkindness shows up, turn around and as Demi says, kill him with kindness. Right? Hang on, go back one second. He ends it with the Lord is near. 
Now, scholars want to go, hey, the Lord is near, right? Jesus is coming back, so be kind. I don't think that's what it's talking about. I don't think this is a reference to end times. I think this is a reference to what Jesus said when Jesus said, hey, it's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to live inside of you. He's going to indwell you. He's going to be near as near as your breath. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. How do you have joy in that? You anchor into the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. How do I kill Him with kindness back? How? I do it in a way because the Spirit can empower me to do it. By the way, the empire does not rule. Jesus rules. And here's what I mean by that. Like, Christians, come on. At some point, at some point, we have to stop talking about Trump and Hillary. Okay? Like, can I be honest? For just one second. I'm going to rant for one second. Okay? Okay. That's the empire. And my fate is not in the hands of who sits in a seat. My fate is in the hands of Jesus who is leading. So can we please focus as, as a group, as a collective whole, can we begin to make our conversations about what Jesus would want and what Jesus would do and not about what these two clowns are doing? Right? Can we change the focus back to him and go, my trust is in you, not in a human. My trust is in you for stability, sustainability. My trust is in you for my values. My trust is in for you for power. Why? Because the Lord is near. He's inside of you. Okay, I'm done. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay, so, so if we're really honest, do not be anxious about anything. We instantly go, well, that doesn't help. Because now I'm anxious about not being anxious, right? Uh, that's, that's not working for me. Okay, I want to show you something about the wording. Do not be anxious. Anxious comes from Merimnau. Um, next verse or slide, sorry. Merimnau. Okay, what I want you to see is see the front part, the Mary. That's the root of the word, okay? The root means parts. So when it's talking about anxious, I find it really interesting that what it's talking about within anxiousness is all the parts of life. Okay, so, so the, par- the parts that make up life. So, for example, like being stressed about college stuff or, or that door at your house that you still haven't fixed, that one. Like being stressed about that, right? Because your, your to-do list is bigger than your time to do, you know what I mean? Or, or that moment when you're, you're just laying down to go to sleep and your phone buzzes and you should not check it, but you do. And you turn it over and now you can't sleep. And now you're stressed because you want to sleep because you know you need your hours of sleep because you've got to get up and go to work. But I can't sleep because now I'm stressed about, you know how it works, right? The parts of life, all these parts that add up. And some of you are like, man, what is wrong with you? I'm nothing like that. Anyways, good. Glad for you. Okay. So the parts of life. And what happens is inside your head, it's almost like there's a ping pong ball and it just. So all the parts of life. And if we're not careful, the parts of life begin to break and shatter us into fragments on the inside. See, some people want to take this do not be anxious and they they want to connect it instantly. And I I think there's a version of it that does connect, but they want to connect it instantly to when Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not worry about anything. Do not worry about tomorrow and do not worry about what you wear. And he's talking about material stuff. I believe what Paul's talking about is what goes on inside our inner life, our inner mind, what's going on in our hearts. 
Because something happens with parts. And if, if, if we're not careful, all the parts, right, they begin to, to weigh so heavy that things begin to break and shatter and move. And it's almost like the guy that with plates, right? And he, he begins spinning this plate, and he's got that one, he's got that one, right? But he gets here, and he's like, oh, this one, this one's wobbling. Got to spin it again and come back down here, right? Life can often feel like spinning plates because of all the parts. And what he's saying is don't be anxious. Do not be anxious. But I want you to see why. There's something significant within the why. Back to verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. How many situations? Okay, every really means every, and situation really means situation. Okay? So in all of it, every aspect of life, don't be anxious. Don't worry about the parts. Don't let the parts begin to rule. Don't let the parts begin to... How? How? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present. So he gives you three words. Prayer, petition, present. Three words for prayer. They all mean prayer. Okay? There are three words in Greek. They're all represented right here. I find it fascinating that, that in the context of him talking about anxiety and our stress and the parts and the, the, the winding up that takes place, in the midst of that, I find it fascinating that he takes the three words for prayer and he puts them inside of a solution for, hey, you don't have joy, focus on gift. How do you do that? Through prayer. Hey, you're anxious. Hey, how do you take care of that? Prayer. But he gives you specific examples of it. He gives you specific wording for it. So the first one is this. It's, it's, it's prochu, which not Porsche. For those of you who think it's Porsche. A Porsche will not help you with your anxiety. It will create more. It's, it's this idea that the first one that's translated prayer, it, it's the idea that it's religious formal. What that means is when you come to church and like David got up here and David prays, that's like a religious formal setting. Or, or it, those of you that like liturgy, liturgy is a form of religious formal, right? It's a, it's a prayer or, or the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? It's a, it's a, it's a prayer that you're following. There's a, there's a religious side to it. There's... There's all kinds of religions, by the way, that have taken this and, and taken this one word on prayer and they've, they formulate entire services around this idea of, of this formal religious prayer. Here's the problem. If he said, do not be anxious, right? Do not be anxious. If he said that and only ended with just this one, we, because we're humans, would make a religion out of it. We would make a formula that if I just do this, then guess what? If I just say that prayer and I recite that one and just that one, right? We'd be looking for the exact words and how it should be. But he doesn't stop there. He goes, hey, you don't want to be anxious. You want the parts to slow down. You don't want to be one of the seven. Here's what you need to do. You need to also pray, petition, right? You need to have desis. And desis is the idea of what happened to my, my 15-year-old as they're coming back on the plane on Friday, right? And they're on their way back on the plane. And it's really, really bumpy, and she's about to cry, and she's like, I just start praying. Guess what she's praying? God, help me. Don't let me die. Right? Keep the plane in the air. Like, it's not flowery. It's not this liturgy. It's not this, this movement of this religious formal. It's literally like, God, show up. Be here. Right? It, it's this cry out. Some of you have it. You know when some of you have it? You come up around the turn. And as you come up around the turn in your car, you're going a little bit fast. And as you come up, there's this black car with this reflective stuff on the side. And all of a sudden, you hit your brakes. You're like, 
please no, please no, please no, please no, please no, please no. Don't see me, don't see me, don't see me. Right? That's decent. It's in the moment. It's, it's happening. I don't have words. I just need you. Right? It's just a cry. And then there's this Adama, right? Which, or Adama, depending on how you pronounce it. And it's the idea of all the list people in the room. Anybody who likes to make a list. This is you. Man, you make that list as long as you want and you just start, right? God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And you go through your list. And you ask. Now, fascinating that all three types of prayer are represented in your talking about our anxiousness. Why? Because it's not a formula. It's a lifestyle. You see, this idea of prayer and praying, it's, it's in every situation. There's not one situation in life you can't go, help. Right? It's not, oh, oh, hang on, hang on, pause, life. I've got to go to church and pray that prayer. That's not what he's talking about. He's going, hey, wherever you are, whatever you face, when the parts want to pull at you and they want to shatter you, hey, guess what? It's a lifestyle of going, God, I just need you to be here right now. Hey, God, the diagnosis isn't good, so I need you to have wisdom over the surgeons. I need you to have wisdom over, over the technicians or around them. God, you understand the body better. I need your hands to be in this surgery, right? You go through a list of what that looks like. Or God, I don't know how we're going to make these bills this week. I, I just really need you to show up. Give me wisdom. Guide me. Take me to places. Other times it's, man, I, I'm here and I'm in a moment of worship and, and I just want to pray that prayer. It's a lifestyle. And what he says, what he says, I'm not a big promise guy, okay? I'm not, not a big like claim, name it and claim it type thing, but this one is a promise. Because the people he's writing to were under, a, under an empire that had told them that violence brings you peace. That if you are just violent enough and the stronghold is tight enough, you will have peace. And then he says this, as it, as it carries on. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. By the way, thanksgiving, the word is Eucharista. That charis that we started out with about gift, Eucharist, we get from this word, right? Thanksgiving is where we get the word Eucharist. We get communion from Eucharist. It's the good gift of Jesus. He says, so when you pray, pray with thanksgiving. Remember gift as you pray. Now he's tying it back into the front. He says, present your requests to God. Next verse. Sorry, next, next one. And the peace of God and the peace of God. When you need joy in situations you shouldn't, when you need to come back with kindness because they've got hate towards you, right? When you need to show Jesus to them in that moment and, and when you, you're anxious because the parts are just too much to handle and you begin to pray. He says, when you pray, it doesn't matter whether it's formal, it doesn't matter whether it's a cry for help, it doesn't matter what that looks like, if it's a list, when you come face to face with the living God and I make my request known to Him, it says, the peace of of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This shalom, by the way, shalom is wholeness. Fascinating. We're talking about all the parts, and God goes, hey, hey what I'll give you is wholeness. I'll give you wellness. I'll give you completeness. 
The promise is that if we would live a lifestyle where we depend on Him, where we put ourselves back in His story, where we remind ourselves of what we've been given, where we make our requests known to Him, it says, the peace, the shalom, the wholeness, completeness, which transcends, hooper echo is that word, that's just a cool word, hooper echo, which means it's so far beyond what you can ever imagine, what you can see. It goes beyond. It says it'll, it'll go beyond all understanding. Will what? Guard. Okay, Paul's writing. He's being what? Guarded. The word is the same word you would use for a Roman guard standing over you. He says, essentially, the picture he's giving you is when you're anxious, when you need to rejoice in those moments. What he says is that as you pray, the peace of God, peace of God will guard, will stand between your anxiety, between your circumstance, between those who hate you. The peace of God will stand and guard what? Your heart, which is the center of everything, that's the center of your life. He will guard your heart and your mind. Wholeness comes when we get in the presence of God. Wholeness comes at the end of this in Christ Jesus. Jesus said that He is making what? Everything new, including you, including your mind, including the parts of life when you're like, I can't do this. And you cry out. It says it's a guarantee. You can walk out of here today and two things are going to happen. You can walk out of here and you can hum like this and you can stay there. Right? Or you can take God at His word and go, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to walk out of here and I am not, I am not going to feel anything other than the peace of God. It's your choice. It's your choice. By the way, I didn't say this to any others. Just think it's funny. Your funeral, if you die because of stress, I'm going to use you as an example. Is that okay? Because we were given a book that tells us the best way to be human. And we don't have to live lives that are falling apart because the parts are. We can have peace that the people around us look and go, that doesn't make sense. We can rejoice when we shouldn't. We can be kind. So kind that it demands a response. And you can have all the parts in the world moving and flying and be completely whole. All because of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God, we come before you. God, thank you for understanding how we are made. Thank you for understanding what brokenness and living on a planet that is broken does to us. God, thank you for understanding what our needs would be. And thank you for providing in Jesus everything we would ever need. Thank you, God, that you have made a way for us to come, as Hebrews talks about, to come into your presence with confidence and boldness. Because Jesus bought that privilege for us. God, would you help us today with the many, 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 many parts that we all carry in this room. God, would you help us? Would you teach us would you strengthen us? Would you inspire us to live out this life that you intended? That God, through prayer, 
we can leave it all with you. God, and that you would stand guard, that you would stand between hate and violence. God, that you would stand between circumstances that want to rob us internally. God, that you would stand between the parts of life that want to destroy us. God, that you would stand between because you are the victor. So thank you that you are our cornerstone. God, we will rise and sing to remind ourselves that you are a rock that we stand on. That there is no other. We love you in every said. Amen. Christ alone.